Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm the step-in actor that they used for the head-stomping sequence. Y'all, go back to our Game of Thrones episodes. This is a solid callback. <laughs> I mean, I'm Alex. And I do know about me, and I'm feeling 33. I'm Britton, and it's my birthday tomorrow. As when you guys uh, listen to this, I'll be 33 years old. Uh, but now I'm I'm clasping on to youth, hanging on by my fingernails, watching <laughs> David Gordon Green, um, <laughs> whose filmography is bonkers, but adds up to this movie pretty cleanly. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say we we perfectly synced this up when we when we were looking at like oh we've got all these different movies for this franchise. How do we all get it scheduled? We were like. Britain's birthday. How do we get it centered around that? <laughs> no matter how many times I said the word ladybird, we still did this one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at least the Rob Zombie movies didn't fall on Oh this my week. god, that is true. That yeah. would have been a cruel prank. <laughs> <laughs> the the birthday present is not having to watch more Rob Zombie. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. This week. Yeah. Also, no the algorithm... The YouTube what? algorithm put a couple of uh, videos, video essays that were defending Rob Zombie's movies in, in my feed, and I, I'm mm-hmm. not cool with it. I don't like it. Not not happy. Not not on board. Confirmed YouTube is a Rob Zombie fan. It was like, hey, our, uh, our AI heard you talking about how Rob Zombie is terrible. Would you like to uh, have your opinion changed? Whoa, today I'm going to be reacting to Halloween 2. No, not that one. (laughs) Total silence for an hour and a uh, a half. Hey, that was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) What what is this movie that we're talking about today? That David Gordon Green, director of Your Highness and The Sitter. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We are talking about Halloween from 2018. The third movie titled Halloween in this franchise. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got? That's, that's, that's all it. I got. Okay, fair. Uh, directed by David Gordon Green, it has a 79% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 70% audience score, which actually seems about right. Seems all right. Who wants to start? <laughs> I feel like I can. I don't normally jump for it, so I will do it this time because I'm prepared for once. Um, my best thing about this movie is the cast. I'm going to steal that. Uh, I think there's just a lot of fun, interesting actors that they've plucked for these roles, and I think they all line up pretty well. I mean, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, we talked about the sum with Halloween H2O, the 20 the return of 20 years later um (laughs) i uh, i think it's pretty cool to see her return to this character um fairly regularly throughout this franchise and now we get to see her again and now she's playing uh laurie as kind of a grizzled uh traumatized old woman who still has a lot of uh guts and um is has kind of spent her whole life preparing to take down michael when he does return because she's convinced he will um that's a really cool angle and i think she she does a great job with that um her family in general uh is played well toby huss yeah is is a ton of fun uh who we kn- know from halt and catch fire uh 
great great guy uh great he's probably a great guy great actor uh (laughs) is what i meant to say but sure i'll I'll say he is too i i have no evidence to the contrary um yeah he's a ton of fun um i cannot remember the names of the other yeah judy greer judy greer there we go um I don't remember the name. What is her granddaughter's name? I looked it up like three times, and for some reason uh, I can't. Like Allison is the character. I yes. can't remember the actor's name. I'm not familiar. I think she. Uh, her name is her. Her name is uh, Andy Matichak. There you go. Um, I think she's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a lot of the scumbag uh, teenage teenagers. There's not a ton of them, I guess, but um, there are, there are a handful of teens in in this that I think I'll do a pretty good job of. Um, they're probably all in their 20s, but I think they all do a good job coming across as teenagers oh, yeah. and uh, being, uh, you know, jerks and self-centered the way teenagers are. Um, there's a couple of her boyfriend at the beginning of the movie and then her boyfriend's friend. Uh, I have seen her um, boyfriend, who I believe is... What's his name in this movie? Cameron. Okay. Um, he plays a character in You season three the netflix oh. show um which i've just started watching so that's neat i saw him and i was like what is he in and then i looked it up and i was like oh he's in huh. this movie i'm about to watch um i think he's good uh his friend looks the, a lot like eldon henson from daredevil <laughs> yes foggy yes <laughs> he looks like he's his uh he's his like he's the action figure that he's the little plastic guy that comes with the eldon henson action figure <laughs> I, I think it goes beyond his looks even his line delivery the sure. opening scene where he's kind of doing this this banter between uh allison and cameron and kind of messing with both of them yeah it's just it, it feels like it's just straight up younger foggy <laughs> <laughs> like i could almost see like if, if they went further with the flashback scenes instead of just having matt and foggy at college it shows them in high school just cast this guy yeah him and <laughs> finn wolfhard there you go <laughs> um Trying to think of who else. Uh, Virginia Gardner apparently plays Vicky. I don't know if I know her from anything in particular, but um, Allison's friend. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, I liked her. She was good. And then Miles Robbins. A lot of character. A lot of actors that I don't really know like mm-hmm. them from anything else, but they. I think they fit these like not not quite bit parts, but these smaller parts really perfectly. Um, the whole time I kept going, is that just Jack White? Did he take a time yeah. machine or something? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Drew Sheed Shied is the uh guy who looks like Foggy, and then Dylan Arnold is mm. uh, her boyfriend. So, um, yeah, there's just like a ton of I've, actors that I think work really well on this. Um, and uh, like everyone is is pretty perfectly cast for it. And there's there's lots of people who have good little small performances. Um, they make it come together pretty quickly as as something that feels easy to get immersed into. Um the we were talking about this um beforehand um they this movie has like the fifth uh family breakfast scene in this <laughs> franchise like that is just that is their yeah you know way that they set the table uh pun intended for all of the or most of these movies they're just like yes we have to introduce the characters by having them all sit sit down together for a meal after one of them wakes up um but this one i think is maybe the most effective uh the it's just between Lori's um daughter and her husband and granddaughter and they all are like very natural with each other i think it works really well um 
the dialogue works there, which it doesn't always in the film. Uh, and it, it all plays together well. So, uh, yeah, I, I really liked a lot of the casting choices in general. Um, and I think they all are really, like, able to pull together the, the heart of the movie. Um, and I think they sometimes do a better job of com- getting across what the the philosophy of the movie is not not philosophy and like moral philosophy but like what the movie is trying to do um which gets into my worst thing which is that i i feel like this movie has three or four flavors uh i i don't know if anybody's tried the new uh coke coffee (laughs) coffee flavored coke um I did not know that. I have I have once. I, I was a, not expecting this for the Halloween 2018 podcast. Yeah, I have I have once on a, a long road trip. Uh, it, I thought it you were going to say on a dare. On a dare. No, I, it is Coke with coffee, and I was like, I like both of those things. I'll try it. And it, it literally tastes like Coke and coffee. Like, it tastes like yeah. you were tasting both things at the same time. And for me, it was very disorienting. Um, probably will not try it again. But... Uh, those or that explains well i think how i felt about a lot of this movie because <laughs> i feel like there were multiple different movies or ideas for movies stacked on top of each other and they kept kind of phasing back in and out and it's not an unpleasant experience like i don't no. there's not individual scenes that i really had a huge problem with but when you string them all together it doesn't feel like we're getting a cohesive idea it feels like i don't know alex and maybe you have more background on this um i don't know like what the screenwriting process was for this i don't know if there's multiple drafts i went through or too many cooks in the kitchen i don't really know what happened there but we have the the, the start of the movie feels very much like the angle is okay we're gonna do this meta thing analyzing the role of michael myers in the public conscious because you have these podcasters investigative journalists who are going around that came from England. They want to know Michael Myers and his whole story. Um, there is a part early on where um, Alison Strode is, I guess not Strode. I don't know what her last name is in this. Um, Alison Huss is uh, <laughs> hanging out <laughs> with her friends and um, is uh, or Dave, uh, is like talking about like, Oh, well, is it really a big deal that he killed a few people? You know, he's just a serial killer. It happens. They put him, they put him behind bars, like whatever. Like there, there's some angles of this that feel very much like, okay, they're trying to look at this as a, Oh, you know, Michael Myers isn't respected anymore. in like in a meta way, isn't respected by audiences anymore. And we need to reintroduce him as this, this horrible evil. Like we need to bring that all that back. Um, that feels like that might have been an early idea, but then that gets dropped fairly quickly in in the movie. Um, there's a lot of comedic scenes that are very off kilter and weird and don't follow through enough to really pay off. Um, there's the scene where the uh, the boy is riding with his dad to uh, right go hunting, and the boy's like, "I want to go to dance class," and the dad's like, "Well, is dance class really important to you?" And it's like. There's never a punchline to that, and it feels like they're supposed to be. Like there doesn't have to be. You can you can have a character who's just like, is like, oh, yeah. this, this, this kid likes yeah. dance class, you know, and, and and like it feels like that's setting up for 
you know, the there to be something with the dad being like, oh, you know, dance class, that's that's the that's for girls. What do you think? You know, like, why? Why do you care about that? Um, but they never do anything with that. That's just like, I don't know if it's just supposed to be funny that he likes to go to dance class, but the movie doesn't really punch that part up. Um, or if it's supposed to just be like normalizing a conversation that is not about gender roles, but is more about like, well, son, are you sure you want your hobby and not my hobby that I'm trying to share with you? Yeah. It, so in that case, it's like, that's sweet, but it, yeah, it just, it feels like this weird. Maybe that says more about us as an audience, but it isn't. Odd. No, I, I think you're right. I think like that might be what they're going for, but regardless of what it is, they don't. Yeah. 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 They don't follow it, through on it. It doesn't come across in yeah. any strong way. The conversation lasts too long is the problem yeah like if it if it was just like a very quick joke and they stumble upon the the uh bus that's been uh kind of run off the road or you know it's crashed uh that would be fine it's the fact that it keeps going yeah and it's like are you are you setting something up here yeah yeah Um, given a lot of screen time with this kid Kid's gonna dance away from Michael Myers. Spoilers, they both die within (laughs) minutes. So it's like, what? What? Um, There is also a scene between two police officers outside of Lori's house uh, where they're talking about sandwiches and one guy's explaining bon me to the other. I think it's actually kind of a funny scene. It's a weirdly placed scene, though. Like, the the, the tension and the buildup and, like, when that comes in, it it just doesn't quite line up. Um, Doesn't it immediately happen, like, right after the doctor's, like, Michael Myers just steps on his no, head. No, no, no. And that's just after. Pops it like a pumpkin. They, the doctor kills the sheriff, right? Will Patton, I believe. Um, and then we cut to those police officers, and then the scene happens where, okay, the, Michael. Or I, re- I remember it up. coming somewhere in like yeah. that set of sequences because that whole thing is weird, and we just have to get Michael Myers to Laurie Strode's house somehow. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And yeah, that was just a very, I I was having a lot of tonal whiplash. Um, And then speaking of, I forget the doctor's name, um, but there's the doctor who even at one point. Yes. uh, Lori says you are the new Loomis and he doesn't even, he's just like, yeah, I accept that. And just like, (laughs) he doesn't actually comment on her saying that at all. And it's a very weird, like lampshading of, the fact that yes they're just using him as loomis um but then he turns and is like oh i i need to see what happens to michael Myers sees Lori. um it's it, like he's got a psychoanalytic angle to this about like oh is michael driven by trying to hunt down Lori? is he just a mindless murderer we have to get him to talk somehow like that's another angle of this that doesn't get really fully fleshed out at all um and then the one that I will say does come across is uh, Lori and Michael's kind of relationship and Lori uh, preparing for Michael's return. Um, that's the one part that the movie does actually commit to. And that ultimately comes through all of that other stuff and, and comes through the, for the finale, which I think is pretty strong. Um, but it's yeah, there's there's so many. It feels like we're turning switches on and off the entire yeah. time. Um, and jumping between different things and so it's a, it's a weird experience especially this time around i remember in the theaters i didn't really have much of a problem i was pretty on board um i think uh watching two rob zombie movies in a row probably made me a little more like wary and, and looking for <laughs> like yeah 
I'm, I'm watching for signs of problems here. Uh, so maybe that's part of it, but I don't know. Uh, I, I like the movie overall, I will say. Uh, spoilers, but it, it it is kind of a strange experience in ways. Yeah, um, I'll go next. Uh, my best thing, I'm going to piggyback on the cast thing. Um, I like the, the actors in the movie. Uh, Will Patton, I love Will Patton. He's great. Mm-hmm. He uh, he's on Falling Skies, which I'm rewatching mm-hmm. right now. And as a TV show, it's not living up to my memories so far. But <laughs> he's really fun in it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just enjoy him, and he gave a really beautiful performance in Minari last year. Oh, really? Like that is so it's different from the that. other stuff I've seen him do. He's so wonderful in that. He's just. I think he's one of like Kelly Reichardt's go tos. Um, I think he's been in a couple of her movies. Like he's mm-hmm. just amazing i love well amazing i think he's a wonderful actor and i like seeing him um i liked the actor who played new loomis he's a turkish actor i like that mm-hmm. he wasn't like a a famous guy here um i thought he did a nice job and uh in, in a bit of casting that would only be appealing to me um the male of the two podcasters is an actor called jefferson hall and he plays torstein on vikings well, torstein is he's not even one of the main vikings but he's one of the vikings who's like always there <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, there's Torstein. I know you. Um, so that was kind of fun to see him, and I liked him. Um, and yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, as a and I love Toby House. My worst thing is, is I don't even really know if it's the movie so much as just like having watched so many Halloween movies in a row that it was just the sameness of the movie started to get to me. Hmm. And I think that if I had not been watching, because at this point for me, Michael Myers is not scary anymore i was about to say michael madsen who also doesn't scare me sure um because he's also a fictional we're proud of you (laughs) thank you he he can't haunt me anymore michael madsen um but uh i i by this point i just don't find michael myers scary anymore i don't find these movies tense anymore because i feel like they all have the same beats of like Oh, he's not back. He died. He is back. He kills people. We yeah. finished him. No, you didn't. And I know that's not literally true, but like, I do think this one's made is a lot better made than most of the movies I would say we've watched since the original. But I, and I almost feel like this movie would benefit from if I hadn't seen a Halloween movie in a while. And then I got that sense of like, wow, I haven't seen Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie in so long. But for me, the last time I saw her as Laurie was like, three, four weeks ago. And it doesn't have the same punch. Um, I do think she's great. It doesn't mean it's not a thing in the world against her. It's just, I feel like I'm just getting kind of worn out by this franchise. And even though this movie did not bother me and I didn't think it was bad, it just, it couldn't, I feel like it wasn't able to affect me as much as it otherwise would have. Mm -hmm. Um, If I'd had more, more breathing room, maybe, I don't know. Um, But... Yeah, and also towards the end, I, I kept getting a lot of Terminator Dark Fate vibes. Hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that just comes from the actress, who is now an older woman, has a navy green tank top on, <laughs> and there's a very large man, and she's uh, good at shooting back in the woods. Mm-hmm. I think it was just like some Shotguns, aesthetic. etc. Right. Um, That's I have some true. quibbles about the final confrontation, which really mean nothing, but we'll get into that. Um, like I said, I do not dislike the movie, but I think I'm going to have to be, I didn't have a strong enough emotional reaction to it. Yep. Um, which I think is just c- coming from just kind of being worn down by, by the franchise at this point. 
Thank God Lori's catchphrase of was that the boogeyman doesn't really make sense for her to use again in in this film. The context sure. doesn't work. Sure. <laughs> I did like the and Michael uh, several references to previous movies, which we can tap into. I think that none of them felt too um too distracting. Yeah. You know, it didn't feel like oh, we're gonna go out of our way to reference a movie. They all or, felt like they fit in pretty well with what the movie was. So it was more like, oh, okay, they're doing that. It didn't feel like they were going, okay, now for no reason, here's a scene where someone's watching like Buster Rhymes or something. Okay, I would have loved that. But <laughs> Well, it, there's a couple of moments where it feels like they could have gone out of their way to emphasize that they're doing something yes. differently than a different than another movie. Uh, right, right. Where it, where it doesn't necessarily like you probably wouldn't notice unless like us uh, insane people you had watched all these movies in a very short amount of time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Britain. What what you didn't know is, uh, uh, David Goyer and James Cameron were both on set the day <laughs> of uh Michael Myers putting back on the mask after he's killed the podcasters, and both of them mm -hmm. said, "What if he?" starts to put it on like considers it and just puts it down i think that would be really fulfilling for the audience as a sequel ah. <laughs> i will say real quick my other best thing about this movie a, a part that did affect me is at the beginning when um torstein and uh the uh what's the actress's name is like ryan reed or something are going they're, they're meeting michael and it's i think all of that is set up as this very tense like don't step they're all the prisoners mm -hmm. uh in the i'm saying prisoners because this movie does not treat them as people receiving yeah. medical care um right are are out in the prison yard essentially and they're all surrounded by these like white there's like yellow strips of uh tape demarking a square and it's like don't step past the yellow mark you'll be within his range or whatever and you get this shot of michael myers you never see his face but from behind and you see that he's got like white hair now and it's like He's like this balding older man. And that image was, was affecting to me that like, mm -hmm. oh, like Michael Myers has become this old man. And in a worse movie, I would have been like, so I'm just watching them fight an old man the whole time. That's not scary. But it was, it was, it was, I don't even know the right word for it apart from affecting, but just that image of like, oh, this is Michael Myers and seeing him now is, is it, mm -hmm. that, di that hit me harder than any of the like growing up stuff they did in the zombie movies I, yeah i think i feel like the opening kind of sets you up for a different movie than, yeah. than what we get yeah talking about uh, flipping switches yeah. especially because it crashes right into the halloween title and you the music blares like the, yeah. the classic theme it, it it's a really powerful start oh the credits yeah. with like the rotted pumpkin re yeah yeah, yeah. Re restoring life we're coming back to life yeah i Alex. i would say this is a movie that's not necessarily bad. It's just full of missed opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think most of that stems from Tyler. I'm right on the money. It feels like every 30 minutes or so, it turns into a different film altogether. It starts off with the investigative journalists, you know, reporting podcast stuff. They get killed pretty quickly in a very yeah. good scene, but I kind of wish they had stayed through yeah. the rest of the movie. Or at least one of them. <laughs> like, yeah. if sure. one of them had, had gone on to, like, carry that through line of what they were trying to figure out. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, maybe it's just a thematic through line that's just constantly like Michael Myers cannot be solved. So you have like two attempts to try and solve him, one with the podcasters and then one with the doctor. And both times the movie definitively is like, nope, he's the shape. He is just pure evil. You can't understand him. Move on. Um, but they, they keep coming up with like these interesting uh, premises, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these these interesting angles, these these new characters. And you're going, oh, that seems like it could be. Prom- oh, they're gone. Oh, now I'm back to, okay, I'll just, I'll just sit here and wait for the next thing to happen, I guess. (laughs) So it goes from that, and then it turns into a a very well done, but pretty normal uh, teen slasher film with the whole sequence with Allison and her boyfriend Mm -hmm. at at the the, uh, high school dance, and then uh, her friend and the the wonderful boy that she is babysitting. And we can talk about that scene, because all that stuff's great. That kid is wonderful. He's hilarious. Um. But all of that stuff is just fairly typical, like, oh, this is Michael Myers killing teens. Like, okay, yeah. this is what this is what most of the audience actually paid for. Okay, I got it. Um, but then you have the the doctor reveal where he's actually he's not there to try and help stop Michael. He just he's psychotic and just he has er- this weird fixation on him. Yeah. Earlier he he talks about how he is he wants to know what it was like to, or what it feels like when Michael kills somebody. Like he wants to know what yeah. Michael's feeling. Like, does he get any pleasure out of it? Like yeah. what, you know, what, what is the, what is the emotional through line that happens once he kills somebody? Um, but yeah, we have that twist and then it turns into, I feel like the, the, the movie that ever, you know, that, that was actually advertised in the marketing, yeah. which is, Okay, Lori and and her family are now going to fight Michael Myers. This is this is what the movie is actually trying to be. And I feel like, wow, you guys wasted a lot of time <laughs> trying to get there, didn't you? The movie and okay. I'll just I'll just say this. I, I I feel like and there are pros and cons to saying, all right, everything after the first Halloween film, they're not canon anymore. We're, we're this is Halloween 2 um in 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 our version of things. Because on the one hand, it's like, okay, you're trimming a lot of the fat. You get back to basics. But as a sequel, and you don't have the hook of Michael having a motivation for continuing to kill people, I feel like the plot ends up having to kind of be random and jump around because Michael is random. The way he kills people is random. Like he, There's the wonderful kind of uh, one take of him just kind of walking around the neighborhood and him just sneaking into people's yeah. houses and killing mm-hmm. people. And it's like, yep, that's Michael Myers. But in terms of, like, constructing a plot with all of these different characters moving around Haddonfield and having to get Michael to that house at the end, I I feel like the structure just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler, I'm sorry. I I interrupted you. You, you, I think you were about to say something. Well, I was going to say, I... My overall feeling is that the movie... So it's, it's an hour, 50 minutes, basically. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it really, to me, should be like either 20 minutes shorter or it should be 30 minutes longer. Like it either needs to sit with these ideas and explore them and like turn it into a big epic uh, examination of Michael Myers, or it should be trimmed down, really focusing on Lori, really focusing on what she's dealing with. Um, I think really early on uh, it. Did you already say your best thing? No, I haven't. I haven't gotten into okay. that yet. Say your best thing, because I think this will spin off okay. into it. Uh, my best thing, and I, yeah, I, I did like the movie. Uh, it's all, I'll get that out of the way. My best thing was the score. Uh, mm-hmm. 
John Carpenter and I think some of his family um, mm-hmm. also working on it. Uh, it's it's one of those cases where you've got you've got the maestro coming back to revisit his old work and he just like turns it up to eleven uh, and enhances everything and it's just a really really wonderful very um suspenseful synth score and mm-hmm. it was awesome yep yeah <laughs> and Britain, i i completely agree with you it wasn't all that scary but i think that the music was helping sure it, it was it was helping to definitely not make it boring oh yeah for a lot of the these slasher sequences um my worst thing is just going to be circling back. I know, I know, I was on a, a preamble there, but there was a lot to uh, to, to go through. Uh, it's going to be the editing overall, Tyler. I completely mm. agree. It, okay. This movie either needs to be longer or shorter, and it can't make up its mind about what story it wants to tell. Uh, it feels like a lot of stuff has been cut out of the movie, and the Blu-ray yep. that I have does have a lot of deleted scenes. Um, and I've gone back at some point. I, I should have done it for this this. Uh, this episode but i did go back and watch some of it i think there's a bit more with cameron as they're leaving the dance after he throws her that makes sense her he just phone in the tub of jello i think he ends up getting arrested for some reason <laughs> um so that's why he's actually out of the movie as opposed to just being a jerk and she just leaves um so there's more there and i honestly that's that's all i remember i know there, there was more stuff but uh even stuff that was in the trailers, I remember being cut differently. Um, the thing that I'm specifically thinking of is the montage of Lori at the gun range just practicing. That The movie just like, it feels like it's cut like a trailer. Like yeah. it's just jumping back. She's using different guns. And and uh, it, it, a lot of sequences like that just feel like really trimmed down to the bone. Just to be like, all right, it's there. We fulfilled the quota. And it's like, no, can, can we let it breathe a little bit more? And I I feel like particularly for Lori and having Jamie Lee Curtis back, like every time she's on screen, I'm like, okay, this is really good. She's like giving it her all. The scene where she shows up to their dinner and just kind of like breaks oh, down yeah. in the middle of this restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all right wonderful. I, I feel like she's barely in the movie. And I feel like we are floating around so many different characters she should not she should be in so much more of the movie like she should be the protagonist and she's just not so i i I personally found that kind of frustrating and we have not seen halloween kills yet at the time of this recording but it sounds like she's also not in as much of that as she should be either so i i don't know if that's jamie lee curtis going you've only got me for so many days (laughs) give me my paycheck i'll i'll do the work but you know that's that's it it's purely business um or what but yeah that it, it's very interesting kind of I, I wish they almost called this movie h4o that would have been fun <laughs> um but it's like okay you've got jamie lee curtis like h2o i feel like used her very very well yeah. i felt yeah. like she had a ton of screen time and she did feel like the protagonist of that movie and to come back to this, and it's like, no, it's more of a a, a group ensemble pit piece. But I, I don't know, it just it that kind of fell flat for me in a lot of places. I, I feel like kind of what happens with her is that they set up this angle of her being the crazy person who believes that Michael Myers is evil and out to get her and is gonna you know come right back. Um, 
they set that up and they really try to drive that home. And then she disappears uh, for the most part. Right. Until I mean, she pops up in a few spots, but like basically Michael Myers uh, gets escapes when the prison bus crashes. And then that's like, no, there's never a conversation where she gets like vindicated or it's just kind of, they all manage to collect back at the house and yeah, or at her house. And that's where the movie ends. So uh, it, it, yeah, it feels like there's not really like a, an arc for her or it, not, it, not even an arc. She doesn't have to have an arc, but a uh, journey for her, I guess. Um, and I think really early on, they have the podcasters go to meet her. And she basically says, screw you guys. I don't want to talk about Michael Myers. He's evil. It was, it was, it was bad. Go away. Um, and that already watching it this time around, it really feels like they're trying to shoehorn the podcaster stuff into the stuff that they actually want to like. It's, it feels like a very clunky way of introducing her character and introducing the, the story of Lori and like where she is at this point. Um, I feel like the movie could have done a lot more to really drive into that. <laughs> this is a weird comparison, but I'm going to go there. And we're going to see if it works. Um, I remember, I believe it was the first Thor movie, Alex, that we uh, talked Thor-y about. Thor Strode. Thor Strode. There we go. There we go. Um, Britain, you, I don't think you reviewed the MCU with us, right? No. On this podcast. I think we... Ups. There you go. I think we talked about how Thor in that movie he there's like an initial angle that's kind of like oh is he crazy is is uh you know Thor actually just like not a god like he's just like a crazy person this hammer is here but he doesn't actually get like own the hammer um and like they don't drive into that enough in that movie so that it never really comes off across effectively and doesn't like get more character beats out of that because he just becomes Thor really quickly and it's like okay then why did you delay him becoming Thor if you're not going to make that more interesting he's going to get to become Thor um I think that's the gist of that I'm pretty sure we talked about that on that podcast go back and listen prove me wrong or right and give us another view um (laughs) the this movie I think really should have gone for a similar angle of like have Laurie be somebody that nobody believes Every, everybody's like oh well you know we get it you had this tragedy but you're overblowing it and her family they they do some of that with her family they they have some conversations like that that i feel like should really string through the movie and there should be more of that and more of people saying like oh well we we don't know that he's still a murderer you know he's been locked away forever he's an old man you know we we really don't think you need to be worrying about this as much as you should there's no way he could find you we have no proof that he wants to come after you and then you have her be vindicated at the end and she's like i prepared for this exactly i am going to kill him for you because all of you are idiots and you didn't listen to me um there's a there's a again talking about missed opportunities that i think is the biggest missed opportunity to me is that we get that finale that feels like that's the kind of movie it's supposed to take place for but we don't have the build-up we just have a lot of other stuff winding through that we're winding through throughout the rest of the movie um and then we kind of circle back to that whereas i think she should be front and center through the whole time her and her family 
you play into the generational thing because it is pretty fun to have the three generations of, of Strode's taken down Michael Myers at the end. Um, I feel like that needs to be pulled from the floor more. Also, that no one like cares about the fact that Toby Huss dies. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of unrelated, but also a little related in terms of. I feel like the movie should have made room so that there's more of an emotional core there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, do you guys think if they made a sequel to True Lies, they would call it Two Lies? They probably yeah. wouldn't, right? Because they're not they're, they're not calling Aquaman the sequel. So, like, I just don't think we can... Th- that or, like, fal- false truths? <laughs> true liesier. The, f- the, f- <laughs> the truth in our lies. Um, hey. Somebody called the CW. I got a pitch. Um, also, uh, Eon Productions. That sounds like a Bond title. Yeah. That's true. Uh, hmm. Bring back uh, Jonathan Price for that one. <laughs> <laughs> as bond um <laughs> oh my god are you kidding me a very old bond who's also yes. like a religious heretic because <laughs> i specifically want the high sparrow as bond it's it's a movie where bond has to protect the pope and it's <laughs> the entire movie is just conversations between uh bond the pope and like about religious meetings and philosophy and then the last 10 minutes a stunt actor who is 30 years younger than jonathan price uh, right. does all the stunts of a big car chase finale henry ironically, golding and they, high sparrow uh, cosplay <laughs> ironically they're able to kind of a uh, strong arm daniel craig into being the stunt guy and he's like this is why i didn't want to do any more of these <laughs> oh boy yeah I, i'm um, gonna break both of my legs this time guys <laughs> i'm not kidding <laughs> so one of the things i feel like the end of this movie the final confrontation very much felt like the movie had to keep not giving us a reason to think Michael Myers had actually died because, and I felt like that made some of those moments anticlimactic for me. So like, uh, uh, they're down in the, the gun cellar and Judy Greer is crying to lure Michael Myers to the top of the stairs. Mm -hmm. And then she says, gotcha. And Mm -hmm. she shoots him and like kind of wings him in the neck, which is like, okay. Like, that's kind of anticlimactic, but then, and I was like, you have a scope. This moment is, the, I don't know. I feel like this moment is satisfying, but then Lori comes up behind yes. him and I'm like, oh, it's all to get Lori. But she kind of clumsily just kind of like smashes on into him. Like you, I feel like a lot of movies, if this were truly the villain dying, she would have shot him and it's a fake out. And then Lori would come behind him and like stab him in the neck or like behead him or something. Yeah. And so that I all also- felt like, okay, you see, he's not dead yet. And I, but I understand we have to, we got to get him in the basement so then they can trap him and set it on fire because it's more visually dynamic. I, I understand. The, funny enough, the thing I kept thinking about was Car Snake in um, Never Say Never Again, mm-hmm. <laughs> where like I was a proponent of Car Snake because yes, with like, in world it makes a lot more sense for that woman to just pull out a gun and shoot a guy, of course, but visually and maybe i just needed it was a shot in the arm that i needed watching never said ever again um but i i was like visually it is more dynamic to do this because of all of the if you're making an action movie it, you can't just have the same action sequence over and over again you have to have different right. elements and different sort of styles 
Um, so I remember Alex being like, why would you do that with a snake? Just throw, just shoot him with a gun. And I'm like, and my argument was like that. Absolutely. Except you have to, you have to do something kind of unique with it. It's still a silly movie and I don't like it, but <laughs> I understand how this movie, they're like, well, you know, it's, we, they, we had him be in the hospital when it was on fire and he's a lot, we have to create a reason to, for the characters to think he's dead, but for the audience to believe that there's a sequel, I get it. But a lot of those moments I didn't get, I didn't have the like, yeah, moment that I was kind of hoping I would, given that Laurie and Michael are facing off. But I understand that's because we can't have them yet because we got two more stinking movies in this thing. But like, I don't know. And maybe, maybe they'll be great. I have no idea how I'll feel. But I don't know. It, it just felt a little like, I don't know. I, I wasn't as it, uh, cathartic, maybe. I don't know. Would you believe me if I said that the entire uh, ending was reshot because test audiences didn't like the original ending? But did the original ending involve throwing a snake on Michael Myers? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find a more uh, accurate description, but from what I remember, it was um, a lot more bland in terms of how it ended and i think where sure. he gets stabbed and it's a little ambiguous about it if she mm-hmm. dies at the end i'm, I'm trying to, okay. to find a description so so give me just a minute but yeah. um yeah apparently tesla this seems to be a habit with the halloween movies of just constant strife and they they never know how to end these things and just yep. test audiences just kind of tear it to shreds and then they have to try and cobble something together yeah. um i think this does it better than most of the other yes. Yeah, films that have had to do this and i i <laughs> just one thing i wanted to point out i i did like that it's it's like Lori is hunting michael down in mm-hmm, the yeah. house instead of the the reverse and she's the one that falls off the room that was like great that's, I that, like which that is the best that's part neat. maybe of the movie <laughs> uh, I, would, I think that's a wonderful moment the moment where uh, Judy Greer shoots him and is like, gotcha. And then it cuts to the dark room and then a light just show, shows up out of nowhere on, on Jamie Lee Curtis's face. And it's just like, uh, happy Halloween, Michael, or whatever terrible line she says. And I'm Love like, that. this is such trash. <laughs> but it's good trash. I liked it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a that's a car snake moment. That's a yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yes. I see. I can understand why this shouldn't work from a filmmaking perspective, right. but here for it. And I think that maybe that's more what I like. I liked that moment, but then her actual attack of Michael yeah, didn't feel it, satisfying for me. Yeah, um, it really should just be like she stabs him in the back. He falls down the stairs. They they get out of there. You know. Yeah, they like, said, and then they set it on fire or something. But there's also like, I don't know. It's one of those like win win lose lose things because the image of him standing on the stairs looking up at Lori as everything burns. And I was like, get out of the house. It's on fire. <laughs> um, was, they have to confirm the kill. But they don't. Because appara- apparently they still don't. Yeah. Yeah. Because they come um, back and Michael's totally gone. I assume he was going down to pick through all those delicious looking jars of food. <laughs> I don't know, I oh, my I, strength. Jelly. Those dog biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do have the description of the original uh, third act. This comes uh, straight from Screen Rant, so uh, I'm just going to read it verbatim. Uh, the original climax of the film featured Michael and Lori getting into a vicious knife fight, ending with Michael badly wounding her. Lori's daughter Karen then shoots Michael with a crossbow, mm. and he wanders off as the family escapes, <laughs> with the implication being that he dies. 
I like I, the idea of him getting him having like a crossbow in his eye, a crossbow bolt in his eye, and he's like, "Oh, you got me this time. Gotta <laughs> gonna go walk this off. You, you'll, you'll have a happy it does, Halloween." It does sound like a pretty lame ending, so I I am glad that they were able to repurpose it and make it a little bit more effective. That's- I I like the image of them locking him down in the cellar, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and setting everything on fire well, is, is very neat. The, I like that. The overall idea of Lori setting up her house in a way that she can lock every room after she has cleared it, and yep. that she can lock him in the cellar and purposely has knows that he is too smart and unstoppable to not get in if she tries to hide underneath the you know trapdoor counter thing. Um, knows that he will find a way in. Yeah. Uh, and like sets that up as a trap with a bunch of uh places throughout the house that will set the house on fire. Like that's great. I think yeah. that's that's what really works for me about the ending is is her having that so meticulously planned and ready for, to survive this fight with him and ultimately trap him in a burning house. Uh, and ideally kill him, but probably not. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think I would have kept the crossbow, though, because I think to do a like, oh, he's wounded, but he's not dead. You shoot him with a crossbow, it hits him in the shoulder, and you're yeah. like, that's cool, and he's kind of whatever, and then you get Laurie coming out of the dark. But yeah, uh, the the moment where Michael throws Laurie off the balcony, and it's so similar, like poetry it rhymed it did, mm-hmm. with... Uh, Michael looking down at Lori on the on the ground and then she's gone like all of that I thought that's a good that was an echo of the original movie it was not even an echo it's just doing the thing from the original movie but in a way that I thought really was cool and that was a reversal that I found really effective that now he's got to be afraid of her I remember um when Spider-Man 3 was was going to come out a friend of mine was talking to me about it and they were very excited and they said but you know in this one he has he has another enemy the dark side with full sincerity. And I has been in my head. This was for however many years since Spider-Man three. And I kept, for some reason, the entire movie, I was like, but in the next movie, Michael has another enemy. <laughs> okay. <the> dark side. <laughs> How many just random conversations have we had where Spider-Man three inevitably comes up because it's one of Tyler's least favorite films. And you yeah. have not mentioned that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like you've like that that should be that should be like a birthday present to tyler i want him to wear that on a (laughs) t-shirt you you have by telling me about this quote you have passed the dark side on to me (laughs) because i'm now not going to be able to stop thinking about that (laughs) a t-shirt or like a bumper sticker that says but in this one spider-man has another enemy the dark side (laughs) i um where they have cookies (laughs) But I, I do like, but now I wish that Michael Myers had a symbiote. <laughs> and it was just Tom Hardy being like, we're going to find Laurie Strode. Why don't you ever talk to me, Michael? <laughs> Michael? No. This isn't going to be fun. You, you don't understand how much I want that movie. Um, <laughs> Big sludgy guy comes up out of him. Uh, how did you guys feel about the bathroom sequence in comparison to H2O? Because this, this one kind of has the gag of a lady oh. being in a, a bathroom stall and Michael shows up, but obviously this ends up being much darker, uh, than that one it was. 
I liked. I thought it was staged well. The my my only real issue with it was that I wanted those characters to last longer because I liked yep. what yep. I liked the idea of this podcast being involved. I thought that would have been a nice through line for the movie. Sure. Um, and it it honestly felt having them die felt anticlimactic and felt like well okay, but now we're, I I wanted a more satisfying resolution for them. But yep. Uh, yep. otherwise, just as a as a in a vacuum staging, I thought it was was quite effective, and I liked that she. She was crafty. She was like sliding through and locking the stalls and trying to get out and everything. I don't know. I thought it. Uh, I thought it worked. I think it's. Uh, I think it's her fault for rejecting his teeth gift. <laughs> that is terrifying. Um, that is really where he because we he he drops. I forget what the. I think we see the guy on the counter who he is just like ripped yeah. his jaw open first. And then he just drops a handful of teeth in front of her. And she's like, oh, God. He is like a cat. Classic a Michael. Classic <laughs> Michael. Uh, um, but look what I look what I brought. You can use them to line your nest. <laughs> Women have nests, don't they? <laughs> I forgot about the teeth gift. <laughs> oh, good. I yeah. also, um, I liked the... Uh, I don't know what he was, not the sheriff, but the head of the police department who just was a big dude with a cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> and he would just He's occasionally around. show up and be like, you know, Hawkins was there 40 years ago. You guys got to fix this. I'm getting back in my car. I, I do believe he is in the next one as well. Cool. So he comes back. Yeah, he was fun. Uh, I did want to ask what you guys thought about the violence. Um. Because I feel like, aside from maybe the Rob Zombie ones, I think this is the most violent of the series thus far. And particularly since we're axing all the other sequels, aside from the original, which is not a bloody movie at all. Um, I wanted to, you know, get y'all's perspective on on if, if that was jarring, if we're looking at, at it as a sequel to the original, or if y'all were fine with that. I would say if if I had done this back to back with the first one, it would have been more jarring. Yeah. On its own, the violence didn't really bother me. I mean, the the only thing I felt was actually gruesome was one, the stomping of the doctor's head, mm-hmm. and two, was the guy with his jaw slacked open. Those were the two moments. Otherwise, like, and maybe again, this is just having watched two Rob Zombie movies in a row. I felt like it was all pretty you know uh good job guys like sure it's it's bloody but not too bloody like it it worked for me um the thing that i found most disquieting is i mentioned this to you guys in our our group chat that i liked that the teenagers looked and sounded like teenagers like these felt like kids in this movie so watching them die was Mm -hmm. more upsetting to me and also michael does actually kill a child in this movie like a child child um but, but not a baby but not a baby yeah, uh, and that that is an interesting scene because he he walks by a, a screaming baby, and you know in Halloween two the original there is a shot of him like looking at a row of babies in the hospital and then walking yeah. away, um, and in this one he he kind of gives it a cursory glance and keeps moving, which I think is a nice touch for informing him as a a character of like somebody who. Like he's he's murdering these people because they're in his way, but like yeah. he doesn't even care if it's not like he's not gonna murder a cat. <laughs> like he doesn't. It's right. just like whatever. Like if there's a dog barking at him, we, we've seen him in previous movies kill dogs. Um, but like 
the, the it's very much a if the thing is in my way i will kill it otherwise right. it, it, <laughs> i'm just saying buster rhymes quote <laughs> about him being a shark in overalls <laughs> is the best description of michael myers yeah um and much much like uh i don't know what i was saying much like and <laughs> also about halloween resurrection um I feel like that movie does a much better job of doing the uh, Michael Myers can't be solved thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like going back to the podcasters, like that keeps coming up in this movie as kind of like what you're saying, Alex, like, Oh, the, well the podcasters kind of question what Michael is and the doctors and the teens, like they all kind of have different ideas of what he is and he can't be solved. And that seems kind of like what their end goal is, but there's never a point where that is stated enough and that is enough of like the the text of the movie that right. that is something they're grappling with and trying to figure out like there there's no part because the ending is just about Laurie getting her revenge there's no part at which we grapple with like like you can't have a movie like that the next movie could work like that the next movie could have i don't know what since there we know it's a trilogy maybe the next one's supposed to be like he kills everybody and like it's then the empire strikes y- back yeah like if, if 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 it's the dark if it's the dark side sequel um <laughs> then that's the one where you could like if he ends triumphantly in that where he you know walks away and has murdered everybody then that's where you can be like oh you can't you know michael myers can't be solved whatever but like if if you have a movie where the end the finale is going to be a twist where he he is the one who's getting hunted i feel like you can't yeah um then also have this side thing of people questioning what he is and him him responding by killing them like you can't those those two thematic lines don't don't gel they don't come together i mean it's very clear with this one that they were just kind of looking at it as a one-off and didn't really have sequels in mind really which i do respect but at the same time it's it is kind of like the aquaman mentality of throw everything at it it doesn't matter if it makes it a cohesive piece necessarily or not just throw it all in there because we need to just get out all of our ideas in case this is the only one we can make oh i i feel like if michael myers had a boba fett (laughs) like i wonder what that would look like just like a cooler version of him, right? Who's also shorter. That was the man in black. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because obviously <laughs> the guy with the cowboy has Lando. Mm-hmm. He'll show up and be like, you old smoothie, etc. Um, then there's a bunch of Ugnaughts. <laughs> <laughs> Literal Ugnaughts from Star Wars. Or Myers, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Will Fight. Patton is Leia. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea of him being like um I don't remember anything Leia says in that movie. Never mind. But he, oh, I guess it would be like, nah, I know you wanna go out there and fight all those empires guys. Man, I used to I I do a really good Will Patton impression, but only when he's talking about the Yurks from Animorphs. Because <laughs> <laughs> watching Falling Skies, which is about aliens attacking, I was like, man, it'd be really great. If he was like, yeah, I remember the Yerks. <laughs> God in my brain took control of me. This is stupid. <laughs> Where, some stupid thing. Where is our gritty Animorphs reboot? Thank you. There's a graphic novel of the first Animorphs book. It's pretty good. We have it at work. Um, 
I've flipped through it. I haven't read the whole thing. I was going to say it's in a trash can next to the uh, 2017 Power Rangers box office receipts. (laughs) (laughs) All all the... Dan Morph's like, yeah, I I morphed into a duck to help me cope with my heroin addiction. (laughs) This is a... This is like, uh, I don't know. James Gunn's passion project, secret secret passion project, is reviving the Animorphs. And, and he uh, he had to burn the script and uh, lock close up his dark office after uh, Power Rangers 2017 bombed. <laughs> like... Well, I would just want to hear the soundtrack for that one. Because you know he's going to have a great soundtrack. But in the second one... It would be very good if they could... When did the first Animorphs books, books come out? Oh, early 90s. I was a kid. Is that early 90s? Okay. Yeah. The, the, I feel like yeah. that would work well. I think you could... I think he could curate something real good for that. Oh, for sure. Especially in the second one where the Animorphs have a new enemy. <laughs> the dark side. Because <laughs> <laughs> how great would it be if at the end of the Snyder Cut, they're like, oh, we did it. We defeated Steppenwolf. <laughs> and then um, Gal Gadot said, but now there's another enemy. <laughs> dark side. <laughs> Fade to black, hallelujah. Alternatively, <laughs> Dark Side showing up in Spider-Man 3 and murdering Toby Maguire. <laughs> Movie done, Sandman wins. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> he, he kills he kills Spider-Man and Eddie Brock, and then he's like, What are you doing here? And Sandman's like, I just I just wanted to steal some money for my daughter. And he's like, Alright, that seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> Doom 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 doom. Yeah, he goes he goes over to to uh to James Franco and he's like, You're rich in this universe, right? Write 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 Sandman a check. Bye. Oh goodness me. Okay. Uh Julian is my favorite character of the film. He was delightful and even during very tense moments, he was hilarious and didn't bother me. That movie, that scene felt like out of the other type of movie that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride make, just the stoner comedies, but it was genuinely funny, and that kid was genuinely funny, and that was a weird, I talked about in the Rob Zombie movies how the babysitters and the kids were talking about, like, sex, and it was just this weird thing. This was, like, this felt like a very natural relationship between a babysitter and the, like, older kid she's babysitting, where he's like, I know you're gonna smoke weed, I know what that is. And she was like, yeah. I'll tell about your browser history. I'll get you in trouble. And it's like, this is because it's funny and well acted. Like, it's kind of cute in that in that way. Yeah, I found that kid very funny and I'm glad he made it. Yeah. Glad well, I mean, it. also they have they have the nice little touching moment where, you know, she's putting him to bed and she's like, by the way, you are actually my favorite yeah. the kids that I babysit. And it's like, oh, you gave me a relationship to care about. OK, yeah, now when, sure. when she is in danger, I actually I'm invested. I care. Definitely. And that like. They, I think they balanced his humor well because then during the actual like murdering of those people, he's not like cracking one liners. Yeah, that like he he reacts very naturally. Yeah, I agree. That kid was great. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I thought was weird, and th- this was just kind of like within a scene, just very weird. Um, not Jack White is. He goes outside and finds the family's mm-hmm. motorcycle and is messing around yeah. with it. 
and then is somehow able to hear his girlfriend screaming back at the house. Like it, that whole setup was, I feel like if he was just sitting on the couch, just smoking weed, that would be, that would just make sense to me. Um, it seemed, it seemed rather pointless. There's also a moment where he tells his girlfriend, uh, Vicky that he's gotten a tattoo because they'll remember this night forever. And she says, you're going to get dry humped so hard. And then it turns out it was just that day's date. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't get Which, any of this. I, I think that was actually them trying to, to, uh, write this movie for, uh, Tyler. Cause I think <laughs> they were, they were trying to set up like, Oh, Michael's setting up a, a fun kill where, where, you know, he stabs, uh, mm-hmm. Jack white into the wall. And that way, when the police show up, they see the tattoo oh. with, with the day on it. But they're like having to, to kind of like, reconstruct this whole sequence to fit that yeah instead of just having it come naturally yeah uh tyler how did you feel i, I feel like michael was back to doing murder pranks how did you feel about yeah that, well that's what i was saying with the teeth yeah. i think that were and then he also uh yeah he puts the ghost sheet over vicky that was good when she's like killed that. um it does a face on it which is cute and obviously a callback to him wearing the sheet in two previous movies um, Allison never learns that her friends are dead. Not on camera, no. Right. And that's a, like her boyfriend disappears. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's also. Oh, no. She learns that uh, not Eldon Henson dies because she finds yes. him. Yes. She well, doesn't find out about she walks Vicky. away from him yeah. and runs back. Right. right. I, I did actually like the scene where, you know, she, he tries to make a move on her and she's like, no, I yeah i thought we were getting somewhere with our friendship i didn't want no i'm not interested yeah. in you and she leaves which i thought was actually also yeah uh, mm-hmm. just worked on a character to character moment um but he's sitting there there's like a motion sensor light in the backyard that he's in and michael like every time the lights go out he moves it to a different position i thought that was effective yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure and, and it's it follows him like he thinks that it's the neighbor and he's like yeah, telling he's the neighbor like yeah. hey i'm sorry i'll get out of your hair which is pretty fun um again that's a, that's a fun michael thing is him listening to people's problems before murdering them <laughs> i feel like that comes up a good bit in this franchise giving um, him a, giving him a sounding board it would have been great because yeah. he was like you ever had a girl that you loved and she didn't love you back and it would have been great if you heard oh yeah tell me about it okay so like, you're right i should get her back <laughs> and then he, right. it's like the end of goodwill hunting <laughs> yes couldn't kill you today, Lori. Had to go see about a girl. Um, I, uh, there's there's one. Oh yeah, well yeah. The the Dave thing is interesting because they don't even bother to show it. It's like yeah, this happens. It's kind of funny because he he grabs the knife and is like, "I'm gonna go get you," and then uh, <laughs> he's dead in the next scene, which is kind of. I fun. like the way they construct it because his girlfriend is already dead by the yeah. time he's like, I'm going to go up there and, and defend her. And it's yeah. like, I no, we've already cut the scene. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was actually very well edited in terms yeah. of uh, yeah, making that work. Yeah. And I feel um, like the movie is able to just like, there's not a moment where I feel like why did like by the end of it, Lori doesn't know because she has been so clearly occupied with other things. And I feel like if anything, that just saved some time. Um, because it wasn't like I was going, shouldn't Lori be grieving her friends right now? I was like, no, no, no. She's dealing with this thing here and she's now with the cops and she's in the car. And you mean Allison? Allison. Yeah. Sorry. Um, 
I also, Michael also did a prank where he beheaded one cop and turned his head into a jack-o'-lantern and put it on the other cop's lap. That's true. So. Uh, another bit that I liked is when Allison is at, is at school and she looks outside and instead of Michael Myers being across the street, it's Lori. Yeah. That yeah. was really neat. That was very and, good. And then they have a very nice conversation where Lori's giving her advice of like, go live, go, go to Mexico, yeah. go explore something while you're young and who cares what what your mom has to say just go do it and then she's like well you're you're crazy and and kooky and and stuck at your house all the time with a bunch of guns like what's going on yeah um yeah i just the movie feels very ambitious when compared to Mm -hmm. most of the sequels and i respect it on that level um because obviously you know with a lot of our conversation we're talking about theme and broad ideas and what we think the movie's trying to get at we with are a lot very of these, profound w- yeah and w- with a lot of these you know we don't it's more just like oh how are the kills you know it's it's yeah. a lot more simple um so i i appreciate it on that level and it's kind of interesting how we've evolved this i mean this almost feels like a natural next step past the rob zombie halloween 2 yeah. in terms of that movie is also trying to be more ambitious in terms of theme. I don't know what it's saying, <laughs> but it's it's clearly it, trying to do something. And it's it's not whiplash coming from that to this. Uh, the, yeah. The <clears throat> in terms of the like intensity of the violence, and I think even like the look of Michael Myers, I would say. Yeah. There, there's a lot the of wear and tear on the mask. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of through line there, uh, which is interesting. It it does it does feel like they haven't. Despite the fact that this this movie d- ignores all the other movies, it does feel like this is a transition across the kind of evolution of all of these. Um, uh, one other thing, they do mention several times, and apparently the new one kind of uh, rectifies this. Did, did you guys think it was weird that they basically just set up the status quo at the beginning being like, yeah, right after Michael fell out the window he was like promptly arrested yeah no Did you I guys agree. think that was weird at all in terms of the setup I yeah mean, I, I, maybe a little but it i mean ultimately. like like when they're walking to school and the teens are like uh oh, wasn't that his sister nope <laughs> just a rumor sure like, yeah. i mean cool. that, that that stuff's cute but I, i'm just thinking like if you just watch the original halloween and then you watch this the end of that movie, and I think Tyler, you you've talked about this several times because mm-hmm. they they do try and repeat this, where it's like, oh, Michael Myers can be anywhere, and it's this very ethereal, like we're cutting to different locations, and all you hear is the breathing, and then you cut to this movie, and it's like, no, he was arrested like five minutes after. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, uh, I feel like it could work if the if the idea was, you know, he we did the hospital thing again. and he was just there it wasn't because necessarily laurie was like his one goal and then you know the same general thing happened but instead of getting burned alive he got captured like that i think that could work sure and and that's kind of immediately what my where my head kind of went because i was like if it's not something that we've already established then it just frustrates me (laughs) because of that exact reason um so i don't know It, it would be nice if there was a flashback and maybe there is a flashback in the new one i don't know i think i've heard that so there are like younger versions of characters in that i don't know what that 
there are flashbacks like... of some kind. I'm I don't know what they yeah. are, but there are flashbacks. It's like um, Muppets Take Manhattan, where they flashback them all as babies when they were in the same nursery and they sing yeah. a song. Yeah. And baby exactly. Loomis is like, "I'll be a doctor of diseases and help you with your sneezes." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hey, like there's that. Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah, and there's Paul Rudd. He looks exactly <laughs> the same. Mm-hmm. Um, His giant head on a baby's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I. Yeah, I hope that that gets addressed in some fashion. I am yeah. very curious. Well, I guess we should do. Do we have more things to say? There's a part at the end of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 that I forgot to mention where Lori walks out and she's wearing the Michael Myers mask, but the mask is made to fit Tyler Mayne, so it looks like she mm-hmm. has an enormous head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very. It's like well, someone was playing Madden and they switched on the giant heads feature. It's very funny. It's the same thing Look, they did with the first movie. I was going to say, it's it's a bookend, Britain. You don't understand. Uh, Young yeah, Michael put course. it on. It looked it's, just as stupid it's then. Like, it's like poetry right. that rhymes badly. Those movies are great. <laughs> Bong Joon-ho, eat your heart out. <laughs> now, Bong Joon-ho doing a Halloween film. Yeah. That now, would be the that most I can get behind. twisted, bizarre. Yeah. It, it would great. be good because it would have a theme. <laughs> he, would, he, would, he would do something with the movie that yeah. makes it meaningful. <laughs> what a novel idea. And this one, Michael's like a prep school kid. <laughs> yeah. So what are we doing for grades? B minus. Yes. All right. Well, C that, plus is, that, too low. that is certainly a step up from, let's see what you got. A D plus, an F plus, a D plus, a D minus, a D, a C minus, an F plus, an F minus, and an F minus. Yeah, like all of these others I've rated so low, and I was like, I this movie should not be that. No, it's definitely better than all this. Britton, how, how are you doing over there? You, you hanging in there? <laughs> Man, you know, I think it's just I see that that big old 33 coming right for me. <laughs> that, that Listen, that hallway that the, my, the Michael Myers of my age is mm-hmm. walking down is getting shorter and shorter, my dude. Britton, when we did the Muppets, like you didn't know, you didn't know what you'd have to pay for. Oh, man, yeah, it was A and What F. did it cost? <laughs> I yeah and it's weird because I feel like I was kind of gung-ho for this because I was like I get to get to watch a bunch of goofy horror movies and eh, even Halloween 3 I don't love as much as I did at the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. yeah sure. even that I've, I I don't know <laughs> yeah I think I'm gonna match you Britain I think I'm gonna go B minus and that is the same grade that I gave Halloween 4 I think mm. that one probably holds together be- better on a overall story level just because it's it's a lot simpler. It's yes. a lot, you know, more straight to the point. It's not constantly bouncing back and forth and kind of muddled. Um, but this one ends up being more ambitious and it is, you know, obviously we have pretty high standards of filmmaking um, for uh, these types of, of horror films um, as compared to the 80s. So uh, definitely on a filmmaking level, it's it's probably the best aside from the original yeah i'd um, probably say that yeah so yeah b minus it's not it's not great but i i think it's solid and i have a feeling that i'm gonna be like this should have been the last one you you, sure. you should have called it <laughs> i wouldn't have guessed by this point though that resurrection would be one of my favorites of these movies uh-huh. <laughs> like i'm telling you that one i 
have a I have People a genuine fondness saying. for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> genuine affection for that movie. Um, the word around town yeah. is <laughs> They all think it's a righteous film. Um <laughs> I uh I'm gonna go B. I think it is okay. pretty solid. I, I feel like I haven't talked it up enough to necessarily explain that, but basically like the the cast really is fantastic. I really do like a lot of the performances in this. And I think that for the most part, the, the actors that really shine, the writing works for them, even if there are some like minor characters who it doesn't really match up for. Um, and the, I mean, the action is quite good. Like it, mm-hmm. I, I, like we were talking about with the one track shots, we didn't, I guess, mention when he's kind of winding his way through the, the middle of town um, which is a great sequence because there's kids running around everywhere. Yeah. It's it's in the middle of Halloween and, and he's just sneaking in and out, like not even, you know, nobody's being phased because he just blends in. Um, and they do this very matter of fact directing where he keeps wandering in the background of things. Like he walks around yeah. the back of a house at one point to, to break inside uh, and kill somebody who is like talking on the phone about learning about the fact that Michael Myers is, has escaped. Um, they do a ton of great stuff with that. And I think that is really strong. And so even though that gets away a bit from some of the other things they've explored and that they probably should have put more time into it, it is really effective in the moment. I think the overall movie is really enjoyable. Uh, even if there's a lot of, I feel like the experience of watching it is leaving a lot of things in the back of your mind, like, well, are we going to come back to that? What what happened there? Where, where is that character? But like, it, it is engaging enough as you go along to keep you invested. Uh, even as you have all these questions that kind of pile up and don't get answered. So for me, I think that is my third behind Halloween four and obviously Halloween third favorite ahead of my fourth favorite Halloween resurrection. Yes. <laughs> the four good Halloween movies. I mean, that would be an interesting marathon. I think, <laughs> I think it works. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I like Halloween uh, four as a follow-up better than Halloween two. I'll say that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It It is great that this, this series really has a choose your own adventure type feel. It does. <laughs> which it's kind of neat. And, and you know, most franchise like Terminator is the, the perfect example of this. Like, that doesn't feel like quite the same because it's like, all right, you watch the first two and then you literally just have like one more movie and then they just keep kind of redoing it. This is oh. like, no, you have like a couple of additional movies to watch in any particular direction you yeah. want to go. Yes. Um, I appreciate that. I think that's neat. And. You know, I, I, I do respect franchises that are able to kind of keep continuity and, and you know, like Fast and Furious, like they go, mm-hmm. we're not forgetting stuff that happened. You know, this, the, you know, even the goofy stuff, like we're, we're keeping it all. Um, I respect that. But I almost I almost equally respect going the completely opposite direction. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like, no, every couple of movies, we're just changing it up. Well, it's fine. It didn't work. It's fine. Yeah. And I love that each one. There's now such a continuity that each one feels the need to address a little bit about what yeah, happened before yeah. it none of them really since halloween well none of them since halloween 2 i guess really take the time to establish where they're at like th- none of them sit sit there and say like okay this is uh we're, we're clearing the table this is where we're at maybe halloween 4 
to some extent because that's like yep Lori's dead she died in a car crash deal with it but like as we get farther away from the first couple more and more of them just kind of wander and wade into the the mire of the the michael mire mm-hmm. if you will um and are just like i don't know this is where we're at uh, and they clearly establish somewhere in the movie what you know what is in continuity and what is not but they don't come right out and say in a way that makes it really obvious like what actually is the order and like, like this movie i feel like never completely denies the fact that she's her sister like i don't know that there's actually a point and there are people who say oh that was a rumor that got made up or yeah. you know Lori kind of shoots it down but we never actually get a confirmation from anybody in universe that she's not his sister so for all we know halloween 2 is canon of this i feel like there's there's never a point where they just say we don't want you thinking about any of these other movies. We just want you to watch this movie and it takes place after this other movie. Um, which is interesting compared to like, I don't know, like the, the X-Men films have kind of a weird relationship with continuity that I think ends up leaving a bad taste. Um, where this one's just like, we, it's all kind of the same, but not, <laughs> you know, roll with it. Yeah. yeah. Life is what you make of it. <laughs> And for the living. Mm-hmm. And also Michael Myers. <laughs> to do it as he pleases. Uh, my recommendation this week uh, is not uh, a... Re- the only movie I watched this week was the laboriously titled Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, which okay. is a truly bizarre viewing experience that I cannot possibly sum up quickly. All I will say is there is a scene where, uh, overwhelmed by all the human society, he sees uh, Tarzan um, starts roaring, and they play actual audio of a lion roaring over Christopher Lambert, who plays him. And then he picks up a lantern and says, fire, and throws it, and it burns a Union Jack flag and also a sheet of paper that says rules, which is pretty great. It's a bizarre movie. So instead, I'm going to recommend another movie about a pair of uh, outsiders who come to a small town that have witnessed some unconventional violence, and that is Capote. Uh, Bennett Miller's 2005 biopic about author Truman Capote. Um, I, like many really cool erudite film buffs, have become just kind of tired about the, the constant biopics and how, you know, it happens every year. They kind of like make them buy, buy a factory at this point. But this movie, I think, is the antidote to so many of the tropes that we can be annoyed by with biopics, unconventional casting, etc. Um, one, it does the makes the great choice of it is only set in a limited period period of time. It is about Truman Capote researching and writing uh, his novel In Cold Blood, um, and that's what it's about. And it is, of course, the unconventional casting is Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, the brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Philip Seymour Hoffman giving, I think, one of the best biopic performances. He Hmm. doesn't look like Truman Capote. He doesn't naturally sound like Truman Capote, but they don't cake him in a ton of prosthetics. They don't, um, you know, do some crazy makeup. They style him a little differently, and he does a brilliant affectation of the voice that 
because it's such a well-made movie and he's such a good actor, it doesn't feel like a cartoonish impression. Um, and you just buy into it. Um, he is really brilliant in it. And it's rare for an actor who, you know, wins an Oscar for playing a real person for that to be one of the best performances. But I genuinely think it's one of his best performances. It is astonishing work that is not just, wow, he looks and sounds a lot like that person. There's, it's such a soulful profound performance it's really beautiful but there's a lot of great performances Catherine keener's in there as harper lee there's a lot of great off jokes about yeah isn't she writing a book about a bird or something anyway uh chris cooper always good um mark pellegrino as dick hickok one of the i believe that's his name one of the murderers and the great clifton collins jr as perry smith um, the more contrite of the two killers who is uh, Clifton Collins is an actor I like anyway. And this was the movie that interests me. He's really beautiful in it. It's a great, great performance. And the relationship between him and Hoffman is really wonderful. Um, it's shot beautifully. Bennett Miller has only made a few movies. Uh, this Moneyball and Foxcatcher might be the only ones he's, if those are the only ones he's three for three, <laughs> like he's a very, very consummate <laughs> director. Um, I don't know where it's streaming right now, if anywhere. It's been a while. I, I rewatched it, I think, last year after I read In Cold Blood, which is a pretty great book. I also recommend that book. Um, but uh, yeah, I like it a lot. If, if you are a little weary of biopics, I'd say this is a great a great proof of like, hey, these can work. <laughs> um, and here's an example of how. Uh, it's a really great movie, and it's called Capote. Uh, Britton, I have a couple of follow-up questions for you. Go on. Um. I have actually been eyeing the Tarzan movie on my uh, HBO Max uh, queue, uh-huh. and now I don't know if I should watch it. What okay, you no, you should, because I need to talk to somebody about it. Okay. <laughs> I need a friend. <laughs> okay. And if- well, I, I, you know, obviously, I, I am a huge fan of the Disney Tarzan movie, of course, but I don't yeah. feel like I've actually been exposed to many other adaptations, because right. like a lot of the modern ones are just terrible. Yeah, I will say it is a more... I don't even know if it's better. Is it, I would say it is a more engaging viewing experience than the Alexander Skarsgård one okay. from a couple of years ago. If only like the the apes in it are it's all prosthetics by the great Rick Baker, hmm. and it is like the direct middle in the in the evolution line. It is between the original Planet of the Apes and the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. Sometimes those these apes look fantastic. Sometimes they look like nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> um it's such an interest and just from a sound perspective the movie there's so many sound effects that are so interesting um andy mcdowell that's not her voice that's glenn close um yeah they pull a full haywire uh on this one yeah so glenn but also- close has has provided her voice for two different tarzan movies yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure oh that's neat yep and <laughs> uh it is oh, yeah, a I little guess. bit. You do have yeah, a little neat. Like, Christopher Lambert is, is not bad as Tarzan. Ian Holm and Ralph Richardson are both really good in it. Like there's there is stuff in it that I think is good. It's just the overall thing is just so strange. Um, and actually, Tyler, I think you would be a harder sell on the movie. But I would also this would be a fun episode of the podcast. Sure. I think. Or just Maybe sometime to, we'll get around to Tarzan. Yeah. Oh no, this is not a requisite situation. But I would be interested to hear what both of y'all thought think of it because I started watching it and I was like. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this because I just need to see what they keep doing. <laughs> it's just gotcha. an interesting thing. Alex, I may be overhyping like, it, but I, Alex, I feel like you have a real affinity for like 30s and 40s like pulp heroes. 
like, don't know John why because I haven't Tarzan. actually even I haven't actually watched many movies about right. a lot of the characters, but like I, I guess it's just like the idea of them a lot of times I, it just kind of interests me. I was gonna say I don't I don't remember how old Peter Pan is as a character mm. or book or whatever, but I feel like that's the same vibe. I feel I mean, like Batman. These, these speak to you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see where heroes uh, is like that's that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of like kind of the same with like movie monsters like that's a different yeah. sphere. I'm talking about like characters that were were good enough to get radio serials, but not yeah. necessarily movies yet. <laughs> Flash Gordon. Yes, I yeah. I almost feel like in a lot of cases it's it's almost like it's something that you would consider kind of innocent and child friendly, but it's got like something about the story has like this very dark edge where I sure. could see them doing like a more mature serious. Yeah. adaptation yeah. like with peter pan obviously it's like kids like being free and flying around and goofing off on this island but then you have the pirates and and like there's a real sense of danger and the whole thematic thing of no you have to be willing to grow up you can't you can't just stay in your childhood forever um and then tarzan obviously the whole thing with like you have colonists and and yeah. a lot you know slavery and it, it, like there's a whole bunch of different uh things being transported away from your home like there's a, there's a lot of thematic elements there that i i think are, are very very interesting um yeah well and i one of the i think one of the most interesting things about the story is that in this one tarzan has another enemy the ape side oh <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping you were just gonna say dark side again you threw me for yeah, a loop yeah. darth, hey, darth vader's in this one spoilers <laughs> <laughs> the the darth side <laughs> yeah, Darth Kerchak. It's yeah. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Anyway, did you have other follow ups or recommendation? Yeah, my my other question was just going to be: wasn't there a Toby Jones Capote movie that came out like the same year? Yeah, like the year after. Time? Yeah, it's called Infamous. Yeah. Okay. And I think it was about the same struck because I think Sandra Bullock was in that one. I was gonna say because I, I think from my understanding, I think the Philip Seymour Hoffman one is like the more well-known yes film certainly but i know a lot of people like the toby jones one as well so. i think toby jones actually also does look more like him sure um but but yeah i remember that happening that was that's like on that list of like sort of the a, prestige and illusionist yeah sort of a steve jobs situation yes with those for sure steve jobs movies completely I never remember which one is which or what the names of them are. Even I think it was Jobs was Kutcher and Steve Jobs was Fassbender, right? Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, who, who else has got to go? Got to get got something. Uh, to say. My recommendation. I'm gonna double up on last week's uh, uh, recommendation. I saw No Time to Die again. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast and within a podcast. I. <laughs> I, I just got to reaffirm because, you know, I, I, I kind of went in, into this one being a little trepidatious because Spectre, the first time I saw it, I loved it. And then I turned around and I was like, oh, there's like severe problems with this movie. Um, no Time to Die holds up very, very well on a rewatch. I still loved it. Um, I, I hate movie theater crowds now, and I'm kind of hoping we get back to the point where I, I I don't have to deal with annoying people. I I wish people would just adjust to going back to the theater because <laughs> yeah. everyone just thinks like they can talk and just comment throughout the whole thing. Like like you think you're whispering next to your yeah. your your friend or family member. No, everyone can hear you. I assure you, everyone can hear you. Yeah, that um, seemed like a bad move. That's James Bond. <laughs> a lot of snorting there, and. There was a person behind me that kept like that. 
I don't know if it was just their shoes or what, but they kept like squeaking on the ground. Like they kept readjusting, <laughs> but their shoes were squeaking on the floor. It was, I'm like, you hear that too, right? <laughs> well, Alex, it was it was uh, SpongeBob doing the thing with the pickles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also was pretty sure that somebody was on their phone during like the climax of the film. Mm. He's good. But anyways, didn't distract from the movie. There you um, go. I, I do have some problems with it, but it is, Right now, it is. It, I think I texted both of you after I saw it, and I was like, "I think this is in my top three Bond films, yeah. and it is still right there." Nice. Um, and I've seen more people complaining about it online, and they're all wrong. Oh yeah, <laughs> this movie really interrupted the phone call I was having with my cousin. <laughs> I uh, I also have it on good authority that you might be seeing it again this weekend, so hey. maybe we can get three in a row. With or without you. (laughs) I feel like it would be worth it after all this. It would be a good payoff for you to recommend it three consecutive times. Yeah, sure. After how long we spent on it. One for every two years you didn't have it. Yeah. Tyler, Uh, you have a... Oh. Just just one more note, because I watched The uh, the Many Saints of Newark last week. I started watching The Sopranos again. I started with the pilot. It's good. I'm, Yay. I'm, I'm go. gonna I'm gonna try and stick it through this time. I like Edie Falco a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> she's great. That's it. <laughs> I don't think I have anything to recommend this week. Nachos. You want to double down on nachos? Uh, I, I I'm I'm torn if I want to double down on that or Beta Ray Bill again. Oh, man. I have been slowly accumulating Beta Ray Bill comics. Like I didn't have a like a comic much... where Beta Ray Bill eats nachos. I don't think so. Um, not yet. Can you will... make that comic? I will and write then one. recommend it for this podcast. <laughs> I will write one one day. We'll get, we'll get, it, we'll uh... get James. We'll get James Tinian on the phone, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> get there. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, let me get uh, James Tinian and um, like Frank Quietly. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, go to town. Get Alex Ross I can to offer paint it. Hundred bucks for that comic. To, for them to make that comic, not for me to yeah. buy that comic. I'll buy the comic for like four bucks. I'm not gonna charge more. <laughs> Come on now. Um recession. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good stuff. So next week we are finishing it for now. We are yes. wrapping um, it up. I think after Halloween Kills, we're going to kind of go back to our normal way of handling newer releases where, for the most part, we're going to wait for them to actually come out on home, you know, do their home release. I think this is the last of the big ones that's kind of doing the simultaneous theater, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, streaming service release that, that we're actively kind of trying to take care of. And obviously it is kind of right at Halloween time. So yeah. it, it made sense to do we, it this way. But I think kind of kind of moving forward, I think we're going to go back to, to kind of the normal way that we schedule these. So we we could try to pull it off with Dune. Um, I don't know if that would end up fitting into the schedule and uh, it might depend on if we see it and we're like, we need to talk about this now. Yeah, sure. Um, and also we we reviewed Dune as like a special thing, the David Lynch one. So I don't know if that, yeah, if we are necessarily justified in continuing that as a franchise that we are doing, so we'll see. That being said, you'll see our review of uh, Matrix Resurrections Christmas morning. Oh boy! <laughs> Jeez, it's probably oh, gonna God. be fine. Um, 
if you want to see that review, if it does or does not happen, you can find us on herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com or on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, uh, apparently not iHeartRadio. <laughs> uh, Snubbed which again. Which does podcast awards that we were not invited to. Very sad about this. They nominated a show called You're Wrong About, which is a great show. Um, but I have something else they're wrong about. Mm-hmm. Also, I will say, Reply All got nominated. We don't have that package. <laughs> We're also not a science show. Technology, whatever category. Mm-hmm. Could have been on a Zoom call with Conan O'Brien. Whatever. Yeah. I'm assuming it'll be a Zoom call. I don't know how they do these ceremonies. I didn't know these existed <laughs> until two days ago. I think they send them out in the mail. <laughs> it's a it's an NFT. <laughs> That's the award. <laughs> Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I was gonna say they have to serve it like a summons. There has to be a person there, like physically, like seeing you as they hand it off. Of like, here is your award, and then they just walk away. And you're like, what? <laughs> what Con- is happening? Congregation, you do it. There's there's a joke on Gravity Falls, uh, where they meet the the kids meet the eight and a half president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Who, oh, I think who I remember gives, that. He gives one of them a negative $2 bill, and the kid's like, wow, this is worthless. And the kid's like, it's less than worthless, my boy. Um, and that's all <laughs> I can think of for getting an NFT for a podcast award. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's it's been a good show. Uh, I think that was a pretty good rehearsal. What do you guys say we record this next one, huh? Let me get my... Software ready, and we will do this recording. That yeah. is the longest test we've ever done. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm using birthday privileges to end the show. I've been Britain. I've been Tyler. It was really about the NFTs that we made along the way. I've been Alex, and you're having a happy Halloween. <laughs>